Tuesday, November 8th, 1994, Janet, our six youngest children, and I were traveling to Wisconsin to celebrate two birthdays. Our son Dan was going to be 23 the next day, and Hank was going to be seven on Sunday. A cast-iron mudflap bracket had fallen off a semi-trailer on an I-94 just south of Milwaukee sometime before we had were up there. There was no way to avoid it. There were traffic all around, and it went under our car, went up into our gas tank, and exploded inside our van. It engulfed the inside in fire, and five of our six children died in the car in the fire. Only Janet, Ben, and I made it out. And there was a grassy area between the north and southbound lanes at that part of I-94. And Janet began to cry out, no, no, no. I ran to her and put my hands on her shoulder. And without thinking, I said, Janet, they're with the Lord. God has prepared us for this. And as impossible, as strange maybe as that sounds, God had prepared us for what happened that morning. He continues to sustain us these almost 15 years since that accident. And I'd like to share with you how God has done that and continues to do that. First of all, God proved to us that he was a God of grace. He was gracious. As a teenager, somebody handed Janet a gospel tract. She went up to her room sometime later and opened the tract, read it. And her words to me were, when I read it, I thought, this is true. I want this. And she prayed to ask Jesus to forgive her of her sins and trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. She grew up Catholic. I grew up Protestant. After we got married at 20, we eventually drifted out of church. At 27, Janet had a friend who invited her to a ladies' Bible study, and she went to it. And she convinced me one morning to go to church there. So we traveled about 30 minutes away to this Baptist church, and it was culture shock. I'd been in church most of my life, up until about 22. I had never seen anybody take the Bible, read it, explain it, and apply it to my life. But it was culture shock. We were in the car heading back. We were just about a block away from church, and Janet turns to me and said, Are we coming back next week? And I said, we're never coming back here. Well, the next Thursday, Janet went to the ladies' Bible study. A couple men said they were going to come by and visit. Janet said, my husband said not to have anybody visit. They said, you're not asking, we're just coming. So I came home from school and coaching, and I I got in kind of late, and she said a couple men from the church are coming. And I looked forward to them coming with anticipation. I didn't understand then like I do now. They came, and they began to talk about the pictures of the children on the wall, and I'm thinking, this is not why they're here. But I had no clue. Finally, after some discussion, Dave Barton asked me this question. Scott, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? I remember so clearly so many things of that evening, but I don't know how I responded to David, but I remember David reaching in his pocket, taking out his New Testament, handing it to me and began to show me verses in what I now know is the Romans road. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I was stunned. I really was. Everything on the outside looked good. We had our first house, had three children, had a good job, 
Things seemed so good. And yet it was like God knew me on the inside. That night before the men left, I got on my knees in my living room and asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to be my Savior. We went back to church next Sunday. It was a large church. They baptized every Sunday, or they always had the baptismal waters ready. And I don't know if David had said anything to me that Thursday night, but I remember looking to Janet on the invitation, and we went for, forward and got baptized. And I was coming out of the, or into the, the dressing room. They had little niches there for dressing. And there was a man at a table, and he says, would you like to join the church? I said, okay. Checked it off. They went out and voted us in, and we hit the ground running. I was not looking for God. He came after me. Praise his name. Second, God was not only gracious, but God showed us he was wise. He gave us eager hearts to, to, to learn his word. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to them that put their trust in him. From Peter's first lesson, we learn that the writers of the New Testament had not followed cunningly devised tales or fables when they made known unto us the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. From a little cassette tape, a sermon preached by Haddon Robinson changed our whole perspective on life when he preached from Psalm 73. Changed us, just changed our view. We learned to take a long view of life. There's a verse that says, my flesh and my heart fails, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When I pastored in Chicago, we had a family whose husband was a Chicago police officer who died in the line of duty. I preached his funeral service at our church. Prior to that, I thought, what am I going to say? What do I say at a time like this? I remember Psalm 34. We had memorized it as a church. We had set it every Sunday. We, we set a goal for our whole church to memorize Psalm 34. Asaph wrote, Praise God at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times, in all circumstances. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Not only praise God at all times and all circumstances, but praise God continually. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Praise God aloud. That was my encouragement to the family. Now that message came back to me there at the accident scene. Remember, as they were taking Janet away into an ambulance, I called to her, Psalm 34. She told me later that as they were driving to the hospital in the ambulance, she would cry out and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be in my mouth. Because she didn't feel like it but she knew she, she had to. God had instructed us through the lives and stories of men and women in the Bible. The great faith of Abraham, the story of Joseph, when man meant evil, God meant for good. The story of David and Esther and Paul and Stephen and so many others. And there were the preachers, the teachers, the friends, the books, the tapes. Sometimes we hear this God's grace, about, God, or about God's grace, and we think of something like fairy dust that goes out, that God magically just sends it out there at time of need. But you know, God worked through his word primarily, and he worked through people 
who taught us, who modeled for us what Jesus was like. That was God's grace and his preparation in so many ways. We had seen God's faithfulness in small trials. Janet said to me after the accident, you know, David, before he ever faced Goliath, he had battled a lion and battled a bear. God had prepared him for this giant with smaller battles. And God had given us other trials. And there were times that I had failed God and sinned so miserably, and God picked me up and forgave me. God tested us, and he prepared us. God is not only gracious and wise, but God is good. I met Janet in seventh grade, first day of school. We were the last two standing up when they were seating all the kids in alphabetical order. We had a desk for a science, math, home room. There were two chairs there, and there was another table, desk, butted next to it. I was Willis, and she was right. My first two girlfriends were Vanderhei and Van Nordstrand. <laughs> Later, when I was in Pony League, I was about 14 years old. I remember we were swinging, waiting for our ride to go to the ball game, and I told my teammates, I'm going to marry Janet Wright. We married at 20. On our first anniversary, we were rocking a new baby. We have nine children. We have Amy, who's 41, Toby, who's 39, and Dan, who's 37. But when we had those three, we thought that was it. We had our family. When Janet was 34 years old, we got a surprise. It was 10 years after, or almost 10 years after Dan had been born. So we gathered the kids around, and we said, Mom's going to have a baby. And Dan shouted out, But Mom, you're well stricken in years. (laughs) Got that right from the King James. And Ben, like Jacob's Benjamin, was a child of my old age. We hoped for another, that he might grow up with a a brother or sister. And God gave us Joseph, also called by Jacob, a child of his old age. We looked at our lives, realized that we had trusted God for our eternity, for our daily bread, for the joys in our life. And we said, God, you can have our family. And he gave us Sam and Hank and Elizabeth, and at 47 years old, we had a new baby, Peter. We were thrilled. We called our younger team the B team and the older crew the A team. <laughs> we had sword fights, plastic swords, the, the, and the older ones joined in on this with the young ones, Nerf guns for OK Corral. We were ortho, uh, unorthodox in everything, I hope, but doctrine. At the accident scene on November 8, 1994, we had hope. Ben was alive. And we knew that God was gracious, God was wise, and God was good. And God had prepared Janet and me, and he has taught us along the journey. God has been faithful to restore our joy, to comfort our hearts, and to challenge our faith. As I reflect on the last 15 years, there's some things that come to mind that I'd like to share with you also. I'm thankful that salvation is simple enough that a child can understand it was only a week and a couple days before that Hank was in the baptistry with, with me. And I remember saying and thinking as I said it, Hank, on your profession of faith, my brother. Hank was not only my son, but he was my brother. Second, God's word was and is our counsel and is our comfort. It's our anchor. Its truth continues to stretch our faith. 
Mark chapter 5, verse 36, the father of a girl who has died comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, be not afraid, only keep on believing. And Jesus raised her back to life. Someday those little burned bodies will be raised up, glorious and perfect. Every year I try to read through the Bible. I've read through Genesis more than any other book in the Bible. A couple of years... A couple of years after the accident, I I read about the brothers of Joseph telling Jacob that Joseph was alive. And the Bible says that Jacob's spirit was revived. And Jacob says, it is enough. My son Joseph is alive and I will go to him and see him before I die. I'd read that many times, but it struck me. It is enough. God, your word is enough and assures me that my son Joseph is alive and I will go and see him after I die. God is the God of the living. Pastor Lutzer in Chicago had done a series on Job and somebody had given me those tapes and I listened to them and there were many, many things in there that were an encouragement and a help to us. Among them is that God is in control. Job says this, shall we receive good from God and shall, we, shall not we receive adversity also? God is in control. Good and adversity come from the same hand. We learn that it's possible to praise God without explanation. When Job found out about his possessions and then found out the tragic news that all his children had died, the Bible says Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground, and worshiped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's possible to praise God without explanation. We learn to hold things loosely and realize that our God has no obligation to explain himself. We do not demand to know why. I'm thankful for the time with our children. We homeschooled, so Janet had a lot of time with them. I taught school and pastored. I spent times, we get out Ted Williams' Science of Hitting and We'd get the bat in the living room and we'd go over all sorts of things, go out to the playground and, and uh, many, many other things. But Janet would, first of all, every school day, sit down and read right from the Bible. And they had the privilege of being able to ask any questions, interrupt at any time. And sometimes Janet would just be amazed how well the discussions and the questions they had. And sometimes they went on for an hour and a half until Janet figures they were missing math and science and <laughs> and their other schoolwork. But ultimately, that time talking about Jesus was more important than all the other times playing baseball and doing those other things. Those were good. But what really mattered was having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm thankful God is still working. I once preached through the book of Amos, and one lesson that God taught is that he is not as interested in our past as he is our present. Jen and I had opportunities to, to, uh, to be on television, to be on radio, to, to speak m- many times in those first couple of years. And it was healing for us to be able to share about our children. And there were a lot of good things that came out of that. But I know that God is more interested in where I am today and what I'm doing today than what happened 15 years ago. I have a one-on-one discipleship on Sunday afternoons that I'm missing today. That's a real blessing to me. A young man who had gotten saved, has a couple of children and a wife.
And to see him grow before my eyes and love the Lord is just really precious. Another group of men, two of those men, we've been together for two years almost. And we're like brothers. And we've added on to that group. And then having an adult Sunday school class that I just, that is so, I mean, I just can't wait for Sunday. I wish every day was Sunday. Fifthly, I'm grateful for God's partner, a faithful woman with a meek and quiet spirit. And it's like that Kenny Rogers song, she believes in me. I don't know just what she sees in me, but she believes in me. She's my sidekick, my armor bearer. And together, God has given us a a love and a a love for him. And... um, also, God did some special things in the years following the accident. Janet's 96-year-old grandmother, who we talked to much over the years, came to Christ, 96 years old. A week later, she had a stroke and died. My 72-year-old mother would come and hear me preach, but she didn't want any personal conversation about Jesus. She went up and visited my daughter for a week, her, her granddaughter. She was the only granddaughter that she still had alive. And... She was very close to Amy. She came back, my mom, and she called me up and said, Scott, how do I join your church? I said, Mom, come on over. Mom prayed and asked Jesus to be her Savior. A few months later, she, got, she learned she had cancer. She died by the end of December. That, about that same time, my mom came to Lord Janet, who had, we had witnessed to her folks over the years, came to Christ. I baptized my mom, my mother-in-law, and my father-in-law on the same Sunday. My mother-in-law became a church pianist. Somebody asked us if we were mad at God. All our hopes and dreams are in what God has provided for us. Lastly, there have been some great times of struggle. Sometimes people think, you know, we just have coasted through, and, but we've struggled, especially me. I did battle depression, thoughts of suicide. People would come up and say, oh, you know, you're so strong. God, God knows who to give the tragedy to, I guess, is the way they would. They didn't put it exactly like that. But that you're, you have such great faith and all that. And they would quote uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you. But such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. But that's talking about sin, that God will provide a way out of sin. This was a trial. And God gave us way more than we could handle. But God undergirded us. God had prepared us. God's grace came to us. He sent people to encourage us. His word became more important, more relevant. The memories we had were very, very special. God supplied all we needed. God used people. I can tell you there's a heartache still. It softened after 15 years, but the hope of eternity is stronger. I just signed up and get my first check for Social Security next, next month. Old age, we grow into old age with great anticipation, looking for that great reunion. Heard a song by Michael Kelly Blanchard. Somebody had given me a CD. I put it on and heard this song. And it's about a little girl whose mother's dying. And the girl hears some geese fly. She runs to the window. And the chorus says, the view out the window is just a piece of the sky. Sometimes you hear the gray geese go, but you can't see them fly. 
Sometimes your heart aches inside so you feel you would die. And the reason, well, God knows, but he won't tell you why. Because the view out the window is just a piece of the sky. And then the little girl grows up, baby of her own. And the last chorus as she reflects about her mom is this. The view out the window is just a piece of the sky. Sometimes you hear the gray geese go, but you can't see them fly. Sometimes your heart aches inside, so you feel you would die. And the reason, well, God knows, and someday, by and by, we'll look out his window and forget to ask why. From the view out his window, we'll forget how to cry. It went a long way to being a comfort to us. Let me conclude One of our interviews was with a local Fox reporter, and he asked this last question before he finished it up. He said, what's the mustard seed in all of this? I thought that was kind of an interesting question to ask. What's the mustard seed in all this? I thought about it, and I think this this was my answer, and I think it's still true. Janet and I are ordinary, regular people. God's grace was sufficient to save us. And God's grace was sufficient to meet every need that has come into our life. And I can say to you that God's grace is sufficient to save you. That God has provided in Jesus Christ all that's needed for you to have eternal life. And that for every need that comes up in your life, every heartache, every tragedy, God's grace is sufficient. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this time. And Lord, your word is indeed precious, Lord. And your word tells us that Jesus has died on our behalf. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, as their personal Savior, Lord, speak to that heart this day. And for others going through hard times, Lord, trials and heartaches, Father, may they cling to you. May they run to you, Lord. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.